Welcome to the Weekly Squeak, your weekly geeky squeak with me, Christian Chella. And hopefully you can now see me. Yay! Um, I was hoping to have it last week, but it didn't quite work out. I'm still tweaking a lot of things. Um, I have acquired some lighting, so I'm not obviously using it right now, as you can probably tell by my slightly dark demeanour. Um, but I'm hopefully setting that up over the next week or so, and then subsequent videos, you will see me much more clearly, much more crisply. But I now have a lovely boom mic up here. You can't see it, which is the right thing, <laughs> which is what I wanted. You can't see the microphone. Um, my camera is down here. I still want to position that. I actually have a choice of two recording locations I'm still trying to figure out. I'm recording from home right now. I'm trying to set up actually to mostly record in my office. But um, yeah, the background is not that interesting. This side of the room is actually much more interesting, but um, not ideal for setting up recording, unfortunately. Anyway, enough of that. Um, this issue, I always call it an issue, this episode, this video, this podcast, this newsletter. I have um, a repeat interview with someone who I spoke to about two years ago, Robert Reeves. When I last spoke to Robert, he was working at Datical. Now he's working at Liquibase. They're the same company, <laughs> just, just in case you're wondering. Uh, Datical rebranded um, or acquired, merged with, became part of a whole bunch of different things. We covered off in the interview with Datical. And Datical is about kind of bringing DevOps practices to databases and specifically database administrators. So we talk about that a bit later. He, I would do have video for those of you watching on video. He is extremely well lit and looks very, very good. And I was still experimenting at the time and looked pretty terrible. Um, but anyway, it's early days with my video right now. But I think this bit of video is fine. But first, before we begin, here are my links for the week. I have um, kind of uh, a small selection this week. Um, and actually, three of them are all from... Oh, no, two of them. Sorry, two of them. W and an M sometimes look similar when you're looking at a 16 by 16 pixel Fabicon. So I'm going to do two from Wired first, actually specifically Wired UK. Most of the time, whenever I am mentioning Wired Reads, I subscribe to the UK newsletter, although I'm pretty sure there's a lot of content here. So the first is from uh, Victoria Turk. The, I think she's still the editor of uh, Wired UK. Um, about Zoom took over the world. This is what happened next. Um, and she's mostly referring, so this is from August, but she's mostly uh, referring to a uh, earnings call in, in June, the very beginning of June. And I guess Zoom has been, Zoom has almost firstly become a, a word like Googling. Um, weird, but it used to be Skyping, I think. Um, and lots of people are now using Zoom, even though they never knew it existed. A lot of us know it's existed for some time. In fact, um, I'm not sure I mentioned it here in this article, but Zoom has existed for um, at least five or six years, if not longer, but got plunged into the spotlight in the current um, situation, of course. Not ready for it in the slightest <laughs> and had to adapt and grow and change very, very quickly. And actually, I think they did an admirable job on that front. They did adopt, adopt adapt very quickly. Um 
the interesting thing with Zoom is it has a lot of good features if you pay. Some other platforms are better if you do things for if you get if you don't pay. Um, I have been discovering this as I'm trying to do video interviews with people. Um, audio is is already a problem, but tools like Audio Hijack and Zencaster have helped me do that for some time. Uh, capturing video of people is quite difficult. Zoom can do it quite well if you pay. Um, and this is a problem I'm still looking into and the solution I'm still looking to solve, as you'll probably see from my video interviews over the next few weeks. But um, I guess this article is sort of a, uh, a, a coming of age, maybe a full stop. I'm not really sure what it is, but it's, it's kind of a, a recap of what has happened to the company in the past year. And actually, let's look at some numbers here. Um, in April... They had over 300 million daily meetings, which um, is up from December 2019 at 10 million. It has not break down, I don't think, how many of those were paid accounts. But if we look at the numbers again, um, quarter ending April the 30th, 2020, total revenue, uh, this is a quarter, of 328 million, 169% increase. But 300 million at... We got um, well three hundred million daily meetings. That I think starts to show that not everybody is paying, and of course that's also the way Zoom works. Not everybody pays in their company. You know, there's one person pays, and other people get it for free. That kind of thing. Um, be interested to see some more specific metrics about how those relate, maybe. Um, and it also talks about companies like GitLab, who I have spoken to a few times, who have always been remote. I've worked remotely for the past. At least four years, I think. Um, it's not particularly unusual to many. Um, and a lot of us who've witnessed other people doing it have kind of like, welcome to the party, folks. It's uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, and this is an interesting article, just wrapping up kind of uh, where they have got to and where they will go to next. And actually, this feeds off nicely from an article that was also on wide.co.uk, uh, which I think I covered in last week's weekly squeak, um, about how the, it was like one of those careful what you wish for moments. Lots of people were always saying, oh, I really want to work from home. And now you have no choice. People are kind of saying, actually, I'm good. <laughs> it wasn't quite what I expected it to be. Um, and there is a, an article, sorry, an interview here with um, Prithviraj Chowdhury, uh, who's from Harvard Business School who also talks about, he's also been one of these people who was an early proponent of working from home and is now, well, has, was always pragmatic about it, I think. He might have even been the same person who was interviewed in the, in the last article, actually. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of discussion here of their competitors. Cisco WebEx is still popular, despite I really do not like Cisco WebEx and very rarely find anybody who does, which is strange. Teams is catching up. Google Meet is catching up um, and many others, but still Zoom still seems to have this, uh, this mind share. Anyway, recapping the, the quarter that they probably never expected to have, have a read of this article from um, Victoria Turk. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, do you like Zoom? Um, do you hate the fact that people use it to mean having a video call? Um, do you hate that people... Sometimes you have on Telegram or WhatsApp and you're just speaking to one person, propose let's have a Zoom call when you're kind of like 
we can also just talk on Zoom or WhatsApp. We don't have to. And coincidentally, Telegram just announced finally video calls. Um, you know, using video conferencing software for a one-on-one chat about life is maybe overkill. I don't know. Anyway, um, tell me your thoughts on Zoom. Tell me your thoughts on the article. And uh, I'd be interested to hear. Um, you can probably talk to me on Zoom if you want, but uh, most of my office hours is actually done through Meet. <laughs> Next, another article from Wired UK from Sean Williams about the current protests and the technology relating to them in Belarus. I was actually in Belarus, possibly, possibly about this time of year ago, actually. I'd have to double check, but it was definitely summer because it was warm and sunny. Might have been slightly later. I can't entirely remember. And um, they do call Belarus Europe's last dictatorship. It's a very strange place. They remind me a lot of Singapore. In that it's very clean and very ordered. And this is because it's basically a dictatorship. And if people do anything slightly wrong, then they're put on um, sort of community service to clean the streets and things like that. So this, this odd kind of thing that a lot of foreigners spot is actually something that irritates locals, I discovered, because the reasons it's so clean and ordered are not pleasant ones. And then thanks to the uh, current um, president, I think, um, I don't know what he calls himself, but Alexander Lukashenko um, claiming he'd won the latest round of elections and he's been leader for 26 years, um, despite an opposition leader surging in popularity. And actually her origin story is quite fascinating. Um, She sort of came out of nowhere to become a very popular opposition leader. She's now currently, I think, in exile in Lithuania. Lithuania is very, very close and, of course, is part of Europe. In fact, the flight from Vilnius to Minsk is 30 minutes, which was an insane flight. But as a um, certain passport holder, that's the only choice you have, actually. Anyway, that's another story. Um, I talk about Telegram. There's a subtle connection I made there between the two posts without even realising. Um, using Telegram a lot, which is interesting because Telegram, I think, is mostly sort of Russian-created, and a lot of uh, the protests are around um, Lukashenko's kind of, well, not necessarily his Russian connections, but um, he is pro, more pro-Russia than the opposition, I think. I, I don't know, this gets kind of muddy, just because you're pro or um, anti-Russian doesn't necessarily equal, like, the current leadership of the opposition or the, the right versus the left or anything like that. It's a little bit more muddled than that. But, yeah, they all turn to Telegram. Telegram is quite popular in the sort of Russian, ex-Russian, Eastern European diaspora, shall we say. And the internet was shut down um, for a period of time and blocking lots of things. Somehow Telegram got through. People kept it going somehow. And they were organising. There was no real person in charge of the protests apart from Telegram. And I don't mean that the company was in charge. It was just like fairly dynamic groups just self-organizing for protests, which is quite fascinating, leading to um, about 100,000 people in, um, in Minsk city center. And actually one interesting thing the article does point out is that um, there wasn't so much happening outside of the city centers, which is not that uncommon, but um, yeah. And um, where this will, how this will play out, where this will go, we remain to be seen. Um, They're kind of squashed between EU and Russia, politically and physically and geographically. Um, So how it will play out is quite interesting, but they are actually a very 
technically minded people, which is why cutting off the internet was such a kind of desperate uh, act in, in some respects. They have a lot of very talented um, engineers there, often an outsourcing destination, but much like Ukraine. Um, they're very well educated, very smart, and often a bit bored with working as outsourcing um, employees. So turning their minds to other challenges, it's sort of, a again, like in the same way that on a positive way that the Ukrainian startup scene is, is buzzing, I think there was enough motivation plus knowledge in Belarus for this to happen very, very easily and get around blocks in technology from people who don't really understand how it works. So um, we'll see how this goes. If you would like a bit more detail about especially how they kept Telegram working and some of the other networks, um, have a look, have a read. Um, tell me what you think. Have you been to Belarus? What do you think will happen next? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Okay, one here from Adobe's Medium. <laughs> Strange source, I know. Um, this is actually kind of basically about the, the retirement of PhoneGap. Nitrobi PhoneGap, Adobe PhoneGap, um, Apache Cordova. This piece of software that kind of broke the mold in bringing cross-platform development, um, well, initially to mobile, but then it led to things like Electron, ideas like Electron and things like that. It's actually kind of how I got back into web development, which is why this has made my list of articles. Uh, PhoneGap, Nitrobi PhoneGap as it was then, was kind of what got me into mobile development. I used to run a meetup, then got me a job as an editor on a mobile website, mobile development website, and kind of uh, sort of opened the doors for me being who I kind of am today. So I have a little bit of a soft spot for it, even though I have not touched it in years. Um, beginning in 2008, I actually thought it was older than that. Interesting. But it's not really needed anymore, I suppose. Um, so PhoneGap and PhoneGap Build, the commercial services, will be retired in October. Cordova will obviously continue to exist. Um, I wonder how many people still use it now with React Native and NativeScript and yeah, just plain old uh, JavaScript these days. I'm not sure. But anyway, I found it quite, uh, quite an interesting moment in time uh, to see that uh, its time is now over. Okay, firstly, something quite different. This is from the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. I have no idea why these posts popped up on my feed. Um, this is actually from 2015 by Ellen Bradbury and Sandra Blakesley. The harrowing story of the Nagasaki bombing mission. A little bit different from what I normally talk about, I know. This has been the subject that's always kind of interested me for various reasons, my, my, mostly because my grandfather actually uh, fought in Burma against the, as it was then, against the Japanese, not in Europe. And he always claims that he was flying away from Japan when they dropped the bombs, which I'm not entirely sure if my youthful memory or his old man memory is, that's completely true. But anyway, it's always been something that fascinated me and, and why they came to this decision. Oh dear, bit of background as there to apologize. It is bin collection day. Anyway, but this article is a very long and fascinating reportage back on some of the people from on and on some of the people involved in the Nagasaki bombing mission, not the Hiroshima one. And just how, and it never ceases to amaze me how this is the case in so many times, how haphazard it was, how ramshackle it was, how it nearly didn't work, how it nearly failed dozens of times and these sorts of things. And, and some would argue maybe it should have, but who knows what, um, what that could have led to anyway. Um, they still had... A, an atomic weapon 
if the plane had crashed or something like that, it would have potentially caused just as much damage. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, and you almost have to remind yourself at the end of the article like what it led to <laughs> sometimes because it almost sounds like a boy's own comic at times in his article. But, of course, it led to a lot of uh, destruction, which we should not forget. But still, if uh, these sorts of moments in history interest you and the kind of reality of them, then uh, have a read. Okay, ending on something slightly lighter? <laughs> I don't know. This is actually from Rolling Stone, Rob Sheffield. Um, this is about the final days of the Beatles. Yes, um, mostly relating to the fact that I did not realise this. Peter Jackson is um, making a film based on a lot of footage from the final days of the Beatles. Uh, I think footage that was never released or was released, but no one ever really saw it. It's slightly unclear. Um, which I kind of look forward to to watching. And it talks about, it's kind of a, another case of, you know, like a story that you kind of know without knowing the details. And when you know the details, you realise how much is abstracted in um, in kind of history sometimes and, and that things are not always what they appear to be, you know. Um, you think that things come to a crashing end, but they rarely do. They come to a kind of stumbling, stumbling end. And the... Uh, sort of last months, years of the Beatles are almost like that. And, and it's something that the article reiterates over and over again is they were still a group of friends, but they just could not seem to work with each other anymore. And they were kind of holding on to this friendship, but didn't really know why. And they would annoy each other and they couldn't seem to create what they wanted to anymore, but they still kind of liked each other. And just sort of, and then you had external parties. I don't want to get into the whole adage of the wives ruined it and this kind of thing, but other people in their lives now as well, changing the way they uh, acted with each other. Um, and, yeah, to some of the, again, I suppose, like this band that at the time and, and for a very long time and, and still are such an influential and large band, just how in those days, especially how amateurish it kind of all was and how they were still real people. Um, and, um, yeah, the reality of a, of, of a situation like this. And I think an interesting fact you always have to remember with the Beatles is that as successful as they were, they were not as successful as they could have been had they come now kind of thing because a lot of the vehicles for that level of fame and success didn't really exist yet and artists didn't know how to handle it and managers would rip you off and all this kind of stuff and this plays a lot into the story too. Um, but yeah, even if you don't like the Beatles, it's still just kind of a fascinating final days coverage of... of I guess a group of people you think you know everything about or you, every story has been told, but there's still kind of more details you can um, you can find and can still find quite fascinating. And I look forward to actually watching this movie. I think some of the footage would be quite fascinating um, to see. And I think they've actually managed to clean it up and, and stuff like that. So it's more, um, more palatable than it might have been when it was first made, actually. Okay, that was my links for the week. Now, here's my interview with Robert Reeves from Liquibase. Pain. Pain, yep, no, pain, pain is instructive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I've always been a uh, get the software out the door person. That's all hyphenated. Um, <laughs> and so we, we used to call it software configuration management. You know, uh, build master, mm. release manager, you know, all this stuff. And um, 
one day I was really struggling. Uh, I was working at an ISV and they had a product that ran uh, J2EE. So you, yep. you can date it. Uh, yep. And uh, it ran on WebSphere and WebLogic. Mm hmm. And our customers would take this ear file and install it and, and have to run a script. And it was a real pain in the ass for me to make sure that my customers didn't dork up their app server. Um, and so that, you know, 2005, we started a company called Furnace, very early DevOps tool. Uh, started the same year, I think, as, as Puppet, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh you know, it was just one of those things where it would look at the app server and say, okay, what do we need to change and change it? And whether it's WebSphere, WebLogic, JBoss, it would fix it all up. Cool, you know? And we wound up selling that company to, to BMC in, in, in the last recession, <laughs> 09, you know? And, uh, but uh, our, our biggest customer was Walmart. And I was mm. hanging out in Bentonville, uh, again, I'm from Texas and, and I said, no, I'm going to make sure they're successful because I speak hillbilly and, yep. and I went up there and, and it's great. You got, and, and you have all these people in, in Bentonville, Arkansas, t speaking with Southern accents about really technical stuff. You know, it's, it's so it's incongruous, you know, it actually, uh, I don't know if you've ever saw, um, Horton catch fire. Oh no, I haven't. It's they're, on the they're list. One of, they're kind of uh, a couple. I think they're in some somewhere in the south, but it's somewhat similar. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's just you listen to this person, you know, talk about really technical stuff, but it sounds like the next thing they could be talking about is hunting and fishing. You yeah. know, it, it's it's insane. But uh, I, I was hanging out there um, and talking to to our users, our customers. And they said, man, this is great. It's working wonderfully. But what about the database? Are you doing mm. anything about that? And I said, oh, well, absolutely. It's on the mm. roadmap. Mm. It, wasn't on, it wasn't on the roadmap. Uh, and, and I said, and I asked them, I said, well, what would you like it to do? Um, and they said, well, look, you know, if we're accelerating application releases, we need to accelerate the database schema changes because mm. what's the point? You know, it's great. Now we can press a button or the machine just automatically releases after certain conditions are met. Okay. But I still have to, you know, call Jerry and Stephanie, the DBAs, to, to update the database. What's the point? And um, so long, you know, spent my time at BMC uh, and we decided to start Datical to solve this problem. And, you know, rhymed with radical, had DAT at the beginning. Sure, why the hell not? But while we were starting the company, we found Liquibase. Yeah. And we were like, oh, we are totally basing on this open source stuff. We even brought in Nathan Voxland, the project uh, founder, to be our chief architect. Cool. This is great. But, you know... Five, six years go by and we realize that nobody gives a shit about Datical. Nobody cares. Mm. <laughs> okay. So we stopped calling the name, stopped calling the company Datical because we we're tired of 
you know, people would, you know, we talk to people and say, well, you know, Datacool does X, Y, Z. It's wonderful. And they say, well, how does it compare to Liquibase? And we'd have to say, look, we are Liquibase. Go mm. ahead and use it. Find out. Um, and there's a lot of people that use it. And I think it goes back to, uh, is it Martin Mikos, MySQL CEO, long time ago said, um, uh, some, uh, some people have more money than time. Some people have more time than money. If you have a product that doesn't help both, you mm. don't have a product. Mm. And so that's what we've decided to do. We're, we're going to double down on the open source community. We have a middle tier offering, Liquibase Pro. And then we have Liquibase Enterprise, which is the Datical DB stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, 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 Cloudbeast should have called called themselves Jenkins years ago. You know, can you imagine yeah. MongoDB calling themselves something else? Not now, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it, that's that's the thing. We we looked at it and we were like, no, this is the time. We got to make this change. So yeah, you know, Datacool is is dead. Long live Liquibase. But nothing's changed. So just to understand then, but prior to that, they were basically the same thing or you had uh, like a, oh, a community? Oh, no. Oh, okay. We had, the, we had the, the community open source free stuff and then we had Datacool DB, which had the rules engine, enforcing mm-hmm. standards, forecast, a uh, monitoring console, you know, see status and reports on uh, changes in the state of your databases. So mm-hmm. that was like the big, heavy enterprise stuff and, and big, big companies, you know, top three banks in the United States use it. Top four insurance companies. Um, obviously, FinServe is big. That's where all mm-hmm. the data is. Um, and uh, but, you know, it, it, we realized that there needed to be something in the middle. And so we took a lot of those features that were in Datacool DB and put them into Liquibase, and we have Liquibase Pro now. So it has a lot of uh, the goodies and kind of uh, ease of use, you know, little little, little dessert topping <laughs> on top. Uh, of course, it's the support, mm-hmm. the fact that people have a throat to choke. Uh, oh my God, it's not working. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, we're stack overflow and, and is it going to cut it? You need support. Okay. So let's go back a step. I was actually just checking the last time we spoke was two and a half years ago. So, oh no, no, two and a bit years ago. So some time ago. So uh-huh. I think we can assume that, um, that a lot of people who, uh, will, won't have read or listened to whatever I wrote about you last time. So, so, um, you, you, met, you mentioned it very briefly, and I have limited experience in this kind of world too. Anyone who comes from the old kind of school way of developing applications where there was a lot more tied to a database will, will kind of understand this problem of, you, you know, you have a lot of ways to migrate code now, but then there's always this sticky point of mm-hmm. moving data. And, and, you know, certain applications, something like Rails for ages had the migrations concept, and now you have oh. kind of other concepts and things like yeah. that. But, you know, that's still a relatively new-ish world to a lot of, especially enterprise. Isn't but- that awful? <laughs> Isn't it awful that it's... Oh, well, you know. It, it's, it's, it's like, you know... Uh, um, um, parents discovering TikTok, 
You know, it's like, where have you been? But I, I'm not a parent and I still haven't discovered it. So <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's like, is, is it wasn't that my space? No. Um, so you describe maybe a little bit more uh, graciously than me the the, the the people you're trying to help and, yeah, the typical problems they're trying to solve and the workflow they're trying to follow and how you fit into that. Well, I mean, I think I think you described it just fine. Um, okay. You know, there's all sorts of new ways of deploying apps, mm. Docker containers, mm-hmm. you know, microservices. Um, it's all about speeding um, the development of new uh, of new features and speeding the deployment of those. Mm-hmm. So look at Spinnaker. All right, yep. Spinnaker is black magic. It is amazing. All right, I've got my microservices running in a container. And you're going to use, hey, Spinnaker, you're going to use um, a, 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 a list of deployment mechanisms, rolling, blue-green. Yeah. I forget what the third one is. Uh, um, canary, I don't know. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. And then there's the rollback aspects of it where it's like, oh, well, you know, the past three versions, you know, were at seven milliseconds response time. And this new one you released is at 70. That's an order of magnitude greater. Eh, we're going to roll this back for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is that's amazing. So developers aren't tasked with worrying about the build and deployment mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And we don't have folks like me, software configuration manager, whatever, you know, the middlemen, um, uh, change control boards, you know, reviewing all this crap. But, you know, we still have it for the database. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing there that, yeah, okay, databases have state. And yeah, that data is pretty valuable yeah. <laughs> and, and we don't want anything to go wrong. So, you know, the, the trick is not to um, have two paths. It's what can we do to get these data changes, data schema, the actual data changes uh, deployed the same way as the application. Mm. The, the trick, is, the, the solution is not to throw more DBAs at the problem. It's not to work harder. It's to work smarter. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take all these learnings from DevOps and agile and, and uh, you know, distributed architectures and apply it to the database. It's not hard, but it is, you know, the biggest problem with it is people. You know, they always say DevOps is about culture and it could not be more true when we're talking about the database. Yeah. So I always like to kind of start with the open source version and work up. Sure. So if I was to to take the open source version, the Liquibase um, community, I think you... Yeah. yeah. Um, what would I do? I, I install it somewhere. And, and what's the kind of setup process for me trying to bring that into my workflow? Well, I think the easiest way to install this is to use a Docker container. Mm-hmm. Um, so Docker run Liquibase slash Liquibase. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a pull request to make it an official image. So uh, if, if you want to weigh in on it, give it a thumbs up on GitHub. I'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you know, it's um, you, you know, what it will do is we'll just run Liquibase and shut down. All right. So you got to give it some arguments. And let's just, let's say, look, the reason why nobody uses Liquibase on day one of a project. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you know? no, no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's very unfortunate, but most people do not buy a burglar alarm until they've been burgled. You know, it's sad. Um, And, uh, you know, um, but such is life, such as humans, you know, we're, we're just, you know, big, dumb pleasure monkeys. And, uh, you know, you have a database that's been around for a while and you're fed up with updating it. So the first thing you have to do is you have to create what we call a change log. This is, um, just a file that represents all the changes that are already persisted to the database. Mm. And it winds up becoming a ledger. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, any kind of financial management software, you know, connects to your bank account, pulls down transactions and you have a ledger. Yay. Mm -hmm. Um, Great. Now you have to assert that that database and the ledger, the change log are in sync. And so the first thing is Liquibase, you know, you run the Docker container, generate change log. It'll spit out this ledger, this change log mm-hmm. file. Okay. Then you do change log sync and it'll create a meta table called database change log. And it'll say, okay, these are all the changes that are in the database. Great. We're now done. Check that into source code control. Now you need to make a change, update the change log, add a new table, add a column, whatever, update a store procedure, add it at the bottom. And then the next time you run Liquibase, it'll say, ah, we have a new change. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and run that against the database. Mm -hmm. If it's successful, uh, you don't have any SQL errors, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. It will add a new row to the database change log table and you're done. Mm-hmm. That's it. So generate change log, change log sync, get to work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how, how smart is that? Like if does, firstly, I mean, just to, just to understand this, this can work around live data sets as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it needs, I mean, the database has to be up and running yeah. You know, to connect. And it plays go fish with the database. Do you have any tables? Yes. Mm-hmm. Give them to me and tell me all about them. Uh, tell me about your views. Um, now, here's here's the uh, the challenge, though, for some folks. OK, mm. Liquibase was originally built to be cross platform. Mm-hmm. So Nathan actually wrote this like 06. Because he had a, uh, he was working at an ISV that mm-hmm. had an application that would run on SQL Server and Oracle. Same, like what we were talking about before the recording, you know, the previous company Furnace, you know, deploying app to WebSphere and WebLogic. He had the same problem with the database. And he was jealous, envious mm-hmm. of Ruby on Rails. But he's, they're writing in Java. They, they don't have yeah. that. So it's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to write this. And, and you know, Eric Raymond, right? 
it all starts with uh, a developer has an itch they can't scratch and solves their problem. Um, so the challenge is, is that like, for example, packages in Oracle that only exists in Oracle land. Mm. Um, yeah, we Liquibase open source community doesn't support that. Okay. Um, uh, now you could still do that. You can use a SQL tag or a SQL file tag to have your package SQL script, but it won't put it in the structured document. Um, that's where Liquibase Pro comes in. So we uh, have added extended object support in Liquibase Pro. Um, we've added some clever rollback features. There's still rollback in Liquibase community, but it's a little far uh, uh, f- more feature rich. Like uh, there's a targeted rollback. It's kind of like get cherry pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. I rolled out these 12 changes. Change seven sucks. I need to roll that yep. back. All right. So I don't have to roll back, you know, 12 to seven and then apply eight to 12. Uh, that's dumb. So we have targeted rollback. Um, and uh, of course, world class support. Um, out of the box integrations that we support, but that's, um, you know, how smart is it? Um, damn, it's been around since 06. Uh, the biggest banks, the biggest insurance companies, hell Salesforce uses it. The community edition, mm-hmm. um, AWS uses it. I know the route 53 team uses Liquibase. So, uh, yeah, good enough for them. Fair enough. And so let's just dig into what what gets added as you go up from the community edition. You mentioned the rollbacks. I'm actually uh, quite intrigued by looking across all the um, the, the the paid for versions, the commercial versions. Uh, database drift detection. What is yeah. that? Ooh. Well, look. You know, sometimes bad things happen to good databases, um, and. Um, you know, it's um, so so I got a nine year old. All mm. right. And and uh, he is just a, a force of nature. And but boy, he is really good about taking care of his things and his toys. Mm-hmm. However, I've seen his classmates <laughs> and individually they are wonderful. They are just Darling, empathic, wonderful children. But you put them together and they are just awful. Okay. They will tear up anything. And the same thing with databases. All right. You've got a lot of people with the ability to change a database. You are going to have regression to the mean. (laughs) It's going to be bad. And so when you have a bunch of people making changes, especially manually mm-hmm. because they're human. They make mistakes. They forget, Oh, I forgot to update the other database. And so you start to have this drift where you have two environments diverge. You might have production, which is locked down and we have a hardcore process. And then you might have tests, which are a little more restrictive, but every once in a while we make changes. And then dev, which is uh, uh, chaos, Okay, it's yeah. like 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 Mardi Gras. Uh, and so a lot of fun, but very messy. 
Mm. Um, and um, so you need the ability. Hey, who changed this? What has changed? What's going on? Because with databases, it's really hard. I can't. How, how do you tell what the difference is? What is the difference between this table and that table? Now, yeah. I can do D Beaver. I can I can do diffs and stuff like that. But I still got to And a bunch of other tools do this. You know, uh, Toad from Quest. Okay, you know, um, our friends at Idea have tools. They're great. But I need a human. Mm-hmm. And our mantra has always been at uh, Liquibase has always been, we don't sell software. We sell piano recitals, little league games, date night, all the stuff you want to do, but you can't because you're stuck dealing with a stupid database. And so a lot of this functionality exists, but what we're doing is making it, uh, we're automating it. Mm-hmm. So that humans can just get out of this and do what humans are really good at, which is solving hard problems, being creative, not just handling one ticket after another. That's terrible. That's soul crushing. It's awful. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, so apart from the, the name change in the past two years since we last spoke, um, what else have you added? Any major features that weren't present then that um, you'd like people to know about? Well, we've um, two things. The easy one is no SQL database support. Okay. Um, And so we've really focused on um, with the change from Datacle to Liquibase. The first thing Mm -hmm. we did, well, okay. The first thing we did was change the name, Yep. (laughs) but we really wanted to have a focus on building from the left. Okay. All right, build from the left, meaning new features and functionality get put into the community edition first. Mm-hmm. Um, that is to reward the community and encourage them to provide new features and functionality, which is exactly what happened with Mongo. Mm-hmm. Had some cats, just just randos. Hey, you want MongoDB support? We built it. It's like, what? Tell me about this. And like, yeah, you know, we work at MasterCard and, uh, you know, I thought you might want this. Is that, is that cool? And we're like, uh, yeah, yeah. And it is so slick. It is awesome. And, uh, battle tested. And so, um, and, and, and also, uh, support for snowflake, you know, cloud native databases, things like that. Uh, Cassandra. Um, and so all this stuff's coming in from the community. It's wonderful. Um, and uh, so that is a, a big focus. So so we're going to start. Uh, it's out. You can use it as an extension. Uh, but we're putting it through our testing process, much like Red Hat does with Fedora. Mm-hmm. Hey, Fedora, bleeding edge, free, yep. tear it up. Um, oh, your bank. <laughs> you yep. might want rel. <laughs> you know, this yep. you might want to throw it to Chuck. All right. And it's a yep. little slower. But all this stuff is vetted over in the uh, uh, consumer side, the, 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 the community side, rather. But that's all fine and good. But we've got something coming out, which I saw the alpha on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it is so slick. Um, so and, and if you go to liquibase.com slash hub, you could see a little bit about it. A lot of marketing stuff. Um, <laughs> 
But it has a nice video from my co-founder, Pete, with he's actually showing the wireframes. And and he he recorded. So when he did the wireframes, he, he runs product. Uh, he's our product leader. And uh, he did the video first. Then he shared it with the company. Mm-hmm. He went to the community first. He didn't talk inside. We didn't have a blue ribbon community. We've really taken to heart um, GitLab's transparency and really yeah. trying to model that uh, or, or follow that. They're modeling that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And um, so what it is, is you can have Liquibase and it's already working and that's great. Uh, we're happy it's satisfying you. All right. That's really cool. Um, but you might want to take uh, advantage of the status and reporting in Hub. So every time Liquibase runs, it will call a web service mm-hmm. and just say, hey, I did this stuff. This is the state of the database. So we don't need a connection to the database. Just Liquibase needs to be able to call out. All right. We don't need poke holes and firewalls or, you know, no agents or BS like that. All right. And so it calls out and it says, I did this. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, of course, you got to log in, create an account, get an API key. That's all you have to do. You add it to your properties file. Um, and so it knows, um, you know, where to put the data. Um, then you can log in and you can see what happened. Mm-hmm. What did some, what, what'd you do? Um, and that right there, we think is just beyond cool. Just being able to have a website that's like, okay, and it's free to use. We're releasing it and just go ahead. Now, you know, you want to take advantage of some other features or you want to use more. Yeah, you got to pay for it. Kind of like GitHub. Yeah, free repos. They just got to be world readable. Okay. You know, okay. You want to keep that stuff quiet, you know, to yourself. Well, all right. Um, You got to pay for that privilege. Yeah. So it's sort of a centralized place for if you, if you imagine your various databases, as like GitHub repositories, it's kind of like your 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 GitHub or GitLab profile page mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Okay, and I mean, how 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 extreme with this do you want to go? Is it a a something that you're just testing for customers, or is it almost could it be a kind of I don't know a <laughs> database collaboration? project place like GitHub and GitLab. I don't know if that's even something people want, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure either. Um, yeah. <laughs> there, there's, we've got a lot of work to even be included yeah. in that pantheon. Not for sure. Yeah. But uh, look, at the end of the day, we know that developers are going to solve problems Yeah. and they're in charge, rightfully so. Yeah. Stephen O'Grady what well, it's been five years, six years. He wrote the, the new Kingmakers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, developers are in charge. And so, you know, for a while, when we started Datical, yeah, it was CIOs making the decision mm. and getting an ELA purchase and, uh, you know, yeah. And, and that was fun, um, you know, going to a lot of meetings, which I do enjoy in my sweater and T-shirt and they're wearing suits. That's fun. Oh, yeah. I think they're used to, to it this, now a bit more. <laughs> I get to play the CTO, the wacky co-founder yeah. CTO. But, um, you know, um, what we want is, look, use Liquibase, solve the problem. 
It's free. If you want to use Liquibase Pro, cool, great. We got your back. If not, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we would appreciate bug reports, even better pull requests to fix them. Okay. Um, but that's fine. You've got more time than money. Great. Uh, for folks that have more money than time, okay, we have these offerings. At the end of the day, all we want to do is solve this problem for people. We want to automate database schema change. That's it. Whether we uh, do it um, either way, whether somebody pays us for the software or not, we're getting something. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if somebody, if it solves somebody's problem, all right, Jerry and Stephanie, they got this horrible, horrible problem and they solve it with Liquibase. Okay. Even if they do it with community, they're going to tell people about it. Um, and hell, maybe they might get certified. We've got learn.liquibase.com. You can get certified mm-hmm. for Liquibase fundamentals. Put it on your LinkedIn profile. Yay. Um, but that tells other people about it. All right. And, um, and so we're okay with that because developers are a little chatty. I don't know if you notice. They like talking about what they're doing. Chatty to a certain degree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's working out, when things are bad, yeah. they're not so chatty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but, just, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Carry on. No, you go ahead. No, 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 please, please finish what you're going to say. Well, it's, it's at the end of the day, um, we've got to have, uh, we've got to take care of both sides of the house. And yeah. so um, where we go with Liquibase Hub, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we know that it had a lot of value in it has a lot of value in Liquibase Enterprise running in somebody's data center. So mm-hmm. we decided to sassify it and we'll mm-hmm. see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the learning stuff we have is free. The product is free. Hub is going to be free. Um, go ahead and try it out. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you have to lose? And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're taking our, our approach. We have totally gotten rid of uh, this enterprise sales model. We still have mm-hmm. salespeople, of course. The, the um, having to fill in a form kind of thing, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but it's like they're not going and taking people out to dinner. No. They're oh, not well, getting okay, on planes, yeah. you know? And so what are they doing? Well, they are continuing to be trusted advisors, uh, they're working with executives, you know, and that's what our enterprise sales team, that's where the real value is. Mm. It's not about taking somebody to top golf and, 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 and picking up a beer tab or something, steak dinner. <laughs> that's not the value. The value is, hey, I'm going to help you, executive person. I'm going to help you, leader, be a leader. Yep. Okay. So apart from Hub, just to wrap up, is there are there any other features that you'd like people to know about happening in the next six months or so, or when will hub be kind of on general release, I guess. Um, November 21st. I'm sorry. <laughs> did I say November? Screw that. September. Okay. Uh, I got that wrong. So in about six September. weeks. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Six weeks. The beta is there. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we're going to gate it, but if you um, blow us up on Twitter at Liquibase, um, I've got a feeling that our community team could hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Just, not you, just you, but the listeners, anybody. Look, we yep. want more and more people to look at it. Yep. We are going to limit 
the uh, the beta initially uh, because we want to give the folks that have contributed to Liquibase yep. and the believers the yeah. uh, we we want to show our love and affection to them yeah and let well, them they probably check it know out. The, the the product better anyway so yeah. Yep. Yes, we would like to really focus on folks that know Liquibase, mm. but want to learn Hub as opposed to people that want to learn Liquibase and Hub. Yep, yep. Okay, cool. Okay, good to hear what you've been up to. Um, and the the NoSQL support and things like that is also very interesting. I think that's uh, where where a lot of people are putting their data these days. So Oh, yeah. absolutely. And it's it's a nightmare. I mean, when you you've got, you know, let's talk about Mongo. You've got all these JSON docs. Yeah. And um you've got uh an update to the application. Maybe you're a chucklehead and assume that every user in the, you know, every document represents a user and users only have one mailing address or one physical mm. address. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, I remember these problems in the past. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so even though Everyone, there's no schema, there still needs to be changes. Yeah. Everyone should check out the uh, assumptions that developers make. Um, various repositories are good for <laughs> oh, nuggets yeah. like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Great. Thank you very much for your time. And, of course. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being so... Um, so visually interesting as well. <laughs> my, my test ones of this have made me realize I've been the most boring looking person on the call both times. So, well, hey, it's not a contest. Uh, you know, wow. it, it, it never is. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. That was my interview with Robert Reeves of Liquibase. So news from me, um, I have been working on my street. My streams are now in progress. I had part one of the solo adventure where I played games solo doing uh, Ex Novo came out on uh, Monday. You can find that on Twitch slash solo adventure or on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Christian Schiller. Um, that is a city building game. Part one, part two should be coming in the next few days. And on Twitch slash DX, P-O-S-E, Dexpose, that is. And again, on the YouTube channel, you can find my uh, walkthrough of the developer experience for Document Node, a kind of um, writing tool. I went down a slightly different path for this episode, but I wanted to try it. Aside from that, I have been interviewing people for KubeCon this week, so some of those will be coming out soon. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to cover the event. Covering remote events, online events, is really not that compelling, I must admit, so I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do yet. We shall see. Um, and I think that's about it for now. Um, a few other things still in the pipeline. But um, for now, yes, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on YouTube. Please subscribe for my podcast. Please subscribe to my newsletter. Please rate, review, share wherever you have seen or heard this. Uh, keep an eye on christianchiller.com for more updates. And until next time, thank you very much for joining.